0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode five of the Elliot Loney Podcast. Today, I was joined by one of the most successful DJ duos in the country. Their names are Mash and Kutcher. They've had millions and millions of views on YouTube and across their social media platforms. They've had platinum records um, and they are down to earth, genuine legends. I'm really looking forward to sharing this interview with you guys. This podcast the a cracker. Um, make sure you subscribe and click the bell to stay notified every time I go live. Let's get stuck into it. Cheers. Lads. Thanks very much for joining us, Matt and Adam, uh, and Kutcher, the men themselves. Yeah. Tron Shack is on the Zoom. Welcome, boys. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. Um, very delighted to have you on this Tumble podcast. Uh, so uh, what's been going on, first and foremost? You boys will be relaxed.
1: Yeah, just uh, living, living that home life, I guess, and for the first time in six years, not, um, not travelling on the weekends. But, of course, the irony is we have all these weekends free, but we can't actually go anywhere and do anything with them. So yeah. we're just uh, just figuring out day-to-day home life, basically. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, um, I, was actually, I was actually contemplating, like, today, tomorrow, if I should, you know, make a little mention on my own personal Facebook, just say, hey, I'm available to DJ any house parties in Melbourne this weekend if anyone's throwing any just... I don't know, I'm gonna scratch that itch. I might forget how to DJ if I don't do it, so. Yeah, exactly, cool. it?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you'll rock up to the house party and say, oh, I'm gonna need someone else to, uh, to step in here, I've forgotten.
0: I seriously reckon there might be some work for you guys coming up, because I hate to throw the buzzword around, but it is unprecedented times, and I seriously reckon the way <laughs> things are going at the moment. Uh, we could be heading for World War Three, and I reckon there could be a Mashton Kutcher set, in the, set up in the trenches. Um, mm. Yeah. I'm throwing some bangers as I'm uh, making my way over the trenches. So I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some some work for you guys coming up.
2: People
1: <laughs> people may not be able to go see live music, but people always want it. You know.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, man. So um, well, boys, I want to start off with the um, the very beginning. I want to start off with with your childhood. We're going to go right back. So um, Jesus, all right. Tell us, tell us about your childhood. Where did you guys grow up? And um, you know, we'll start we'll start with you. Start with you, Adam.
1: So, Adam uh, grew up in Brisbane and has most of his life. Uh, So, I started as most kids do in primary school, you have the concert band, which is, you know, music. Uh, And I wanted to do that, but I wanted to play percussion because I wanted to play drums. And I didn't want to learn about notes and chords and melodies and, you know, all that lame stuff, which was my opinion at the time. Excuse
2: me. Excuse
1: me. (laughs) My opinion at the time. Of being a 13 year old boy uh, yes yeah, so I did the concert band and Mum said all right if you if you stick to it I'll buy your drum kit at the end of 12 months so I did that got my first drum kit complete with cymbals that like bent and broke within a week and that kind of stuff got private lessons you know half half an hour once a week back back then you actually used to go pay people to go to their houses to get them to teach you a skill you know? It's real uh, it's a crazy world <laughs> and uh, yeah, I did that, and then through high school, started a few metal bands. I started getting into heavier music through my drum teacher, and yeah, we had a, a couple of different bands, and I think we actually had, I think I recorded maybe one or two CDs back then, and yeah, from that, I I went to Hospo actually because that was kind of where I I worked well with, um, you know, I was uh, quite a charismatic young boy uh once i turned 18 and yeah through hospo i sort of you know stuck with the drums but you know had sort of perhaps accepted that you know i was either gonna move forward in hospo or perhaps a more corporate style of career and then when i was uh about 20 i met matt and he was like oh you know you can dj and of course to be frank i I had the opinion that lots of people used to and probably still do that DJs aren't musicians. Why would I pay money to go watch someone press a button? Like I pay money to go watch people play their instruments and create music. But, you know, I was introduced to that world and I started liking the electronic music as much as I was liking the band stuff. And um, yeah, I guess it just blended and went from there. taught myself to produce using Ableton. And although I'm still a stickler for you know, physical movement and physical creation of music, I'm getting a little bit better at doing it on the computer screen. And yeah, I think that it's been a an interesting journey and the classic, you know, if you'd said to me when I was 16, do you think you'd be a DJ? Yeah. The answer would have been a resounding no. So
0: it's cool. Amazing. And then what about you, Matt?
2: I was very lucky. I started very young on an instrument. Um, I'm pretty sure Pretty sure I was plunked on a piano when I was, uh, when I was about three or four. I was pretty young. Um, but obviously when, <clears throat> when I became of the age of, of you know, deciding what I want to do with my day, you know, do I want to go and kick a footy or do I want to stay on a piano or do I want to go and get up to no good or whatever, uh, as, a, as a young kid at school, I, I opted to stay on the piano. And, um, yeah, I think um, stuck at it. I got pretty deep into that um by if i remember correctly by the age of about 12 i'm pretty sure i had my my teacher's diploma in that i had a couple of students actually when i was younger started teaching um and then by the age of about 15 or so i was i was pretty in deep in the the classical world of sort of being on a piano you know eight to 12 hours a day and um it was very much going down that direction of being a you know a professional concert pianist and um all the things that go along with that and i think i got to about the age of i'd probably say 16 17 and i yeah i i got the i got the tech bug and i got into technology and i got into video games and i learned about djing i learned about nightclubs and i guess i just kind of found a way to apply all those things that i had learned from the classical and the music theory side to all those things so um you know in a nutshell i thought it was great when i was 16 to be able to go and dj in a nightclub i got away with it i thought it was awesome <laughs> so um i i'm pretty sure i had my first my first shot on the decks when i was yeah probably just turned 17 um and so yeah being an underage kid in a nightclub on the decks i thought it was christmas so it was uh it was cool and i wasn't very good at it to start with but i had some encouraging people around me and they you know Told me to keep at it, so I did. And um, yeah, tried a lot of different things, a few DJ names, a few different styles of playing. um, Taught myself, again, same as Adam, how to to produce and use the software. Um, And yeah, me and Adzie met through a mutual friend and we kind of jumped in the deep end when it comes to to being a DJ, because I guess we started traveling and touring and doing shows um, pretty quickly so the first um the first year of us doing stuff together was um i think we covered most of australia most of rural australia and most of the major cities and then by the second year of doing it we were doing international shows and um you know the pace of it was really starting to pick up so i think um it was interesting we both we both met um we had grown up in similar areas and we both probably knew some mutual people and and you know had some common ground but um Essentially, we were both strangers who met with, um, you know, a common interest, and we we got a bit of a yin and yang going, and we make it work. So um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure since we started, we'd be over we'd be over our 800 show mark by now. I reckon would oh, be show. yeah. I don't know the exact number, but we're about eight nine hundred shows deep. So yeah, it's been interesting. interesting
0: right? as well, hearing that, like obviously you guys met in around 2013, was it? So that's um. Mm. Because you got a pretty strong camaraderie, but, you know, even you guys before we went live, you know, the the is pretty strong between you guys, and obviously you get along very well. So it seems like you guys have known each other for a lot longer than that, and obviously your synergy on stage is is pretty tight. So um, was that something that just clicked automatically when you when you guys met, or you have to I work? I think
1: the it? the synergy between uh, any anybody in any career that it's not, it's not the time that you spend together. It's the type of time that you spend together. So, you know, Matt and I may have only known each other technically for three years, but within that time there's, you know, countless late nights, there's lots of um, lots of traveling and learning to lots of things that we're learning as we go. Uh, You know, those late nights often incorporate a lot of alcohol, which can challenge and also improve relationships yeah and yeah so i it's not you're right i guess in six years you know the the type of relationship that we've developed due to the type of time that we've spent together you know could be different and perhaps better than your average person that you've been friends with for six years that you catch up with you know once
2: a fortnight or something. definitely to add to that the travel component is is a massive part because um you know imagine Imagine going on a, a holiday to a, a country with, you know, your, your partner or your girlfriend or your brother or something. And, mm. you know, you've got the long flight, you've, you've got the transfers, you've got the hotel, you're pretty much living in each other's pocket for that period of time. Now go do that in multiple countries around the world a couple of hundred times over the with space someone of that you a barely know. years. <laughs> yeah, you, you get to know each other pretty
0: intimately, pretty quickly. With you guys, I'm assuming when you're touring together and you're in a different city, um, and there's no one to mediate mm. has there ever been like a dust up have you guys got your dukes up and started throwing oh, we've come dirt? pretty close
2: <laughs> very,
1: we've come definitely very, come close uh a great number of times more times than we would like to disclose but yeah again that's that's what it's all about it's how do you how do you deal with those things how do you deal with this other person that you've made this commitment to that you know, you haven't even made to your best friend, you know, a person that isn't your best friend to begin with. And you've made this ginormous commitment and you're both, you know, taking big risks and you're both doing these things that are so exciting and, you know, things that that kids literally dream of their entire lives that may never get to. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty wild thing, but yes, we have come very close to, physical altercations uh many <laughs> usually after midnight which is a pretty clear indicator of the external things that may encourage it
0: well adam i'm gonna say uh Matt, matt's shoulders twitching right now i can see it
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you, 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 yeah i was gonna say you, you dance pretty lightly about around how you described that but i like it mm. it, was, it
0: was well put yeah yeah, yeah well i mean look don't want to go straight straight to the uh, horse's mouth, so to speak. But uh, <laughs> it's probably why, um, you know, just looking at you guys now, why the camaraderie is so strong. Because I think you do need those, those moments on tour where you get to see both sides of someone and then you get to understand each other better. And as I said, before I even press record on this podcast, I could tell straight away that there was a really good synergy between you guys. So um, I guess it can enhance your... Go off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um, we we went off the rails a little bit. We're going to touch on your where you're at now in your career because you guys have done a lot and you've had a very successful career so far. Um, but tell us about your parents growing up and how you were raised. Um, would you say that you came from similar backgrounds or was very different backgrounds for both of you? Uh,
1: I'll go first, Maddie. I know Maddie. I won't to say too much. Maddie was moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think any of us have to be a psychologist to say that, you know, that that does impact a young, a young child. Mm-hmm. I uh, was lucky in the sense that we didn't move around too much. Parents separated when I was pretty young, which is not really an uncommon thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I think I dealt with that and have handled that pretty, pretty well over the years. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I certainly know musicians in the family. Dad uh, really... <laughs> dad was the type of bloke that would have the M&M albums like just sitting next to the record player and I'd be like oh dad what's this and he'd look at me and say mm, nah don't listen to that <laughs> but then he'd leave and it's like oh well I'm gonna listen yeah so I think a lot of early not necessarily musical obsession but at least interest I think was helped along with dad and he listened to a lot of heavier bands and you know he was into the classics like The Offspring and and perhaps bands that uh, bless my mother's socks, she would not have liked, and wouldn't have liked her children listening to, and things like that. But that's that's all that's all part of it. And yeah, I think as a result, both parents have been nothing but supportive, particularly uh, you know considering it's an industry and a career that they have absolutely no idea about, just like I didn't six years ago. So
2: yeah, I guess on my side of things, um, yeah, as Eddie you said, I am. Um, <clears throat> We moved around quite a bit as a family when i was young my parents had businesses in in different places so um i went to a bunch of different schools lived on the gold coast for a bit lived in new south Wales for a bit lived in queensland um so i guess growing up i i was fairly used to to moving which i think now given our career choice has ended up being an asset to a degree psychologically because You know, it doesn't faze me to be in Japan one day and San Diego the next. I'm pretty comfortable with shifting around and living out of hotel rooms and doing that sort of thing. So um, um, it was cool too because my parents had a um, a photography business and... um, they traveled through most of rural Australia up and down the East coast with that. And I'd go with them for a lot of that. So a lot of the country towns and places that we go to now, like your places like your Lismores or your Tamworths or your casinos, most of Northern New South Wales and country Victoria, like I'd been to a lot of those towns growing up. So I knew them pretty well and I had a good understanding of what, you know, the, the wider sort of um, side of Australia looked like. So um, that was cool. And I was kind of already, already well used to, we're used to that. Um, my my parents are interesting musically because they're not they're not musical people in the sense that they don't you know they don't play instruments or sort of do anything like that. But they both have um, you know little parts to what they do, which somehow I I don't know it just works. Like mum mum you know is uh, she can sing she's got a good understanding of pitch and she. She knows, you know, when she hears something, she knows if it's right or wrong. And dad, um, dad grew up um, loving footy and being, you know, avid into AFL. And I don't really think he has much of a musical bone in his body, but he's, um, he's got a very, um, he's got a very cool taste in music. And when he, when he hears something, he, you know, dad's actually um, someone who sends me ideas for songs all the time. He'll send me things. Oh, you should remake this or remake that. And, um, Yeah, I remember as a kid, his record collection and his his CD collection was just full of bangers. There was Steely Dan, there was Van Morrison, there was Beck, there was Zeppelin, there was Pink Floyd. Like, all the good stuff was in there. So, um, And he had a pretty diverse mix of music. He had, you know, he had everything from sort of Stevie Wonder through to Eric Clapton and Santana, and it was all there. So um, I I don't doubt that from a young age, um, music was very much in our household, and I'm sure... I've no doubt that when I was a little kid that he was probably playing me Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was definitely around. Um, so it came as no surprise to my parents, I think, what field I ended up in for sure.
0: That's very interesting, you know, very different upbringings, same common goals, um, mm. teamwork, camaraderie, all those things we mentioned. Matt, you said something really interesting before that um, I, I registered and I wanted to ask you about. It. You, you spoke about yin and yang. Um, mm. So who's yin? Who's yang? And, and why? I, t- I think
2: we both we both juggle around. Like some sometimes one is one is yin and the other is yang. Um, we I don't know. We're Be honest, interesting you balance.
0: Be honest, you bastard. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean,
2: what, what what? How would you best put it? Are you ones? I, I mean, look. I, I said this to to Elliot the other day. I think I'm probably typically the more um, almost borderline delusional with, I'll have an idea that's, that's nuts and Adzie's more of the control in the situation. And I'll probably be the first one to go, Hey, here's a ridiculous idea that probably just needs to be turned down a few notches. And then Adzie's the one who will come in and go, okay, I see the merit in that, but you know, you've got to take into account this and into account that. And we, we find a halfway ground and it, it usually works at that point. So, mm. um,
1: yeah we're both creative people but quite differently and quite differently due to other personality traits being i'm you know pretty organized a lot of friends will tell me that i have ocd and things like that and that can um i think the yin and yang to that is obviously being creative is about you know it's it's about freedom it's about freely creating and you know, if you're a bit OCD or you're a bit, things got to be like this or that won't work because of this, you know, that can, can stifle it. Whereas Matt's the opposite. And he's just like, now nah, we've got to do this because it's sick and doesn't have any regard for any other reason as to why it may not work. And that is so great and important. Um, and I guess in the same way that I can help Matt bring down to, you know, let's we'll call it be slightly more realistic he can also help me think outside the box and go, you know, just because no one's done that before doesn't mean we can't. Or, yeah. 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 Like, you know, just turn your OCD down for a second and, and have a think about this. And
2: yeah. A really That's cool awesome. way to, to understand us, I think, uh, on almost every level as a, a quick snapshot would be to, to come to a show with us. And when we check into a hotel, just <laughs> duck, your head in, duck your head into each one of our rooms just for a couple of minutes. Yeah. And when you walk into Adam's room, you'll see, his rings and his watches and everything nicely placed on the bedside table and all his clothes hung up in the wardrobe. You'll come into my room and you'll see a suitcase and you'll be stepping over shit everywhere and there'll be fucking shit everywhere. So it's an it interesting analogy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Even even just speaking to you now, it's really interesting because you can sort of get a sense that you, you complement each other in different ways, which I think is probably one of the reasons why you've had so much success. And speaking of success, uh, I've, Pulled up a few things from your Wikipedia page. Yeah. And uh, it's quite funny, actually. I've I'm, I'm actually got the Wikipedia page in front of me here. And um, Are you, Can we fact check
2: some of this stuff? Because I don't know who <laughs> writes <laughs> <to> these. <laughs> I thought, Matt, I thought you wrote the Wikipedia page, to be honest. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know who, who writes these, but we're about to find out. So. Adam,
0: you've been stitched up here. Uh, this is just how it reads. And uh, I, I was a bit confused when I first read it. It says, Mashton Kutcher, sometimes abbreviated to MMK, MK, are an Australian dance act and electronic band consisting of classically trained pianist and drummer Matt Menor oh. and Adam Morris. Oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you actually been on Settling for, mate? Is there something you're not telling us? Yeah, like- wow. Well.
2: <laughs> what can day. i say I'm a, I'm a man of many skills you know <laughs> so uh,
0: i think we might need to contact wikipedia and just uh, even score a little bit there i think that's a bit fair, uh, fair to adam he's being stitched up there there's been that's internal actually, disputes really funny. due to the wikipedia article yeah uh, so um but some of the things i pulled up from from a little bit of research here and i've got it in front of me here it's it's, it's quite impressive what you guys have been able to achieve so far you know Matt and Adam, you've sold out shows across Australia, Asia, America, Europe. You've gone platinum on two separate occasions with um, Do It Now in 2014 and My Sunshine in 2015. You've signed contracts with huge labels like Universal Music in the past. And you've also amassed just, uh, you know, 500,000 YouTube followers on that platform alone, um, plus millions of views, millions of downloads. You know, this list just goes on and on. So um, the question I'm most interested to ask you guys is, what's your favourite highlight from your career so far? It
2: certainly hasn't happened in the last month, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Haven't had any highlights in a little while.
0: Well, according to Wikipedia, Adam, it must be collecting assembly payments because... Uh...
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a highlight
2: since 2013. <laughs> yeah. You've never had a it's highlight. Since Matt, I'm it's Matt became a drummer. <laughs> Fun uh, fact on that though, there's been a couple of occasions yeah. at shows where I don't know why, but um, if you remember adzy in the early days, there was a couple of times at shows where I, I tried to convince you like it'd be a good idea if I got on the kit, and it, mm. I it didn't, it didn't ever really amount to anything spectacular.
1: I mean, the truth was I knew deep down that it was always going to end up you who was more embarrassed by it than me. So <laughs> part of me was like, no, nah, don't do that. It's my drums. But then I'm also thinking, well. Like what's he gonna do? You know, he's not gonna do much. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, ask Wikipedia and you do it all. So <laughs> now, uh, highlight- I
2: reckon what do we got? Ooh. What do we got?
1: Highlights. Yeah, highlights. Highlight for me. I, I mean think, shows? Yeah, show show related, I think. I mean Adzie,
2: when you when you poured a bucket of slime on Delta grudrum's head at Nickelodeon <laughs> Slime Fest, I mean I reckon I reckon a lot of a lot of kids who we grew up with watching telly would have probably said it was a bucket list thing to, to be at a slime fest or let alone be on the stage. So, I mean, that's surely going to be up there somewhere. Yeah,
1: big, big deal at the slime fest. <clears throat> Very grateful that we were able to be a part of it. Um, I think probably why, you know, a couple of, couple of shows have played overseas, uh, one in Asia, a couple in Europe that were just really, really good shows but also Mm -hmm. around the show was quite nice as well. You know, Mm -hmm. the travel, the time that we spent together, the people that we met, you know, often it's, um, often the show itself can be great, but a lot of other things about the experience may not be just due to the nature of, of travel and the industry. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I think, yeah, you know, career highlights and things like that, then yeah, for me to be one or two of those shows and, um, yeah, probably just even really, really crazy nights that Matt and I have had in nights off when we're actually touring overseas. In the sense that we've got an Airbnb for a few nights.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, a couple of a uh, couple of near misses and a couple of fun, <laughs> fun things happened, which yeah,
2: again nothing to do with the show. So
1: yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I mean, in that probably was that the, I think it was the last one of the previous Europe runs we did. We um we had a bit of downtime between a couple of shows and we nicked off to Edinburgh and we went to Fringe with Shooter and Frenchie and just oh got nice. stuck right into to Fringe and like just little detours like that, that happened along the way. are just mm. wild and they're
0: mm. fun. Cracking fellas, uh, obviously Shooter, Williamson and Frenchie shout out to those boys too. Yeah, um,
2: Good lads. Good lads.
0: Great lads. Um, so interesting you brought up Nickelodeon slime fest. Um, that was something that, um, I was, I've watched the video of you guys performing. It's, a, it's an amazing video, so check it out on YouTube if you haven't already. Um, really well shot, really well put together. What's it like performing for, for kids? Because most of the time, DJs obviously perform for, for blokes like us.
1: Yeah, it's different <laughs> because obviously we've played a few under-18 shows um, and the first and most obvious thing, which you don't even have to go to realise, is attention spans. Mm -hmm. And particularly as uh, technology has developed, young people and their attention span has gotten a lot less. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the thing with Slimefest is, though, that it's in uh, some kind of stadium-type thing where I'm assuming they do all kinds of huge performances. But it was more so um, how televised it was and how many cameras are going on. And obviously, every aspect of the set um had been thought out and the visuals obviously have to be planned and yeah i guess when you're up there yes you're playing to thousands of kids but maybe perhaps in hindsight in the moment that certainly not what we were were thinking about or not. yeah maybe
2: yeah that's accurate i mean it's, it's, it's weird looking back on that video and it's funny because if you read the comments um like like as you probably will know from making content and whatnot like youtube and facebook are totally different audiences and youtubers um you know deep in internet land love to uh love to rip on anything and it's just funny to read the comments because a lot of people who maybe had seen us at clubs or knew of us being like a club act saw that and they were like wow this is super cringe how are you playing to like eight-year-old kids Mm -hmm. um but it's like, as Adam said, it was, it was just a really interesting experience because, yeah, it's, it's totally different. Um, and where we'd normally play at a club for probably 90 minutes to people over 18, I reckon. How long did we play for at Signpost? I think it was about eight minutes, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, the, it was a weird number that was under 10. It was like eight and a half exact, or mm. something like that. Yeah. So it's, and yeah, it's a, a very lot more quick eight thing. and a half minutes worth
0: of prep goes into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No yeah. It was, it was um, really, as I said, when I watched the video, I noticed. Um, it seemed like you guys had like almost choreographed everything that you were going to do because it was all very mm. seamless. The way you guys were moving on stage and went from the decks to playing the drums to playing the keys to running up and down the stage, like it was all happening. And Delta Goodrem was just cutting shape; she was absolutely loving it. <laughs> um, she was going crazy. So um, it, it looks awesome for the resume, I think. I'm surprised to hear that you got any backlash at all.
2: Um, I mean, YouTubers just love a love a general riff Isn't on that anything. Real backlash, so. you know? Yeah. It's
0: like, you
1: know.
2: That's but that's, i think that's something we've always like really um not even intentionally but it's just it's part of what we do is um what we're, we're totally comfortable to live in internet land and participate in memes and internet culture and you know um i think we don't um we take what we do as musicians seriously but we don't take ourselves that seriously so like you know i i'm all about you know, and as is as well, just, you know, reading comments and having a laugh and seeing who says what, like, I don't think it's ever phased us once, you know, who said what, if anything, it's fun, it's banter. And someone says something, it's, it's, it's not about taking that to heart. It's about, oh, what, what can we say back? Like it's an opportunity <laughs> to, to kick off. So, so yeah, it's fun, all about it.
0: You know, some of the innovation in your music is off the charts. And uh, another thing I pulled from your Wikipedia page that I wanted to bring up, which I thought was ridiculous, um, and Matt, you and I spoke about this briefly on the phone, but Adam, very interested to see what you think about this as well. In 2015, you guys took recording equipment into six subway stores in Brisbane and you captured noises from ice machines, beeping ovens, staff chatter, and stuff like that, and then you remixed it and turned it into a song called Sounds of Subway. <laughs> that is that is so rare boys like that's the rarest stuff is there a creative process that goes um deep into coming up with stuff like that or are you guys just the rarest cats in australia like
2: (laughs) i was thinking that 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 one was was winging it to a degree because i mean a lot of those elements are out of our control you know we you don't know when you're walking into a subway store you know what the staff are going to be like are they shy are they extrovert are they introvert are they creative are they wanting to get involved are they wanting to stay off camera so we kind of were at the mercy of what we had to work with there and um fortunately for us it worked out kind of good so mm. yeah weird, I've, weird never, I've never but. heard
1: the subway video explained like that though. that's really cool
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I, I was just looking at it i couldn't believe it. i had to read it a few times i wasn't sure if Wikipedia had been smoking a few illicit substances because obviously it's yeah. up, Adam. So I wasn't sure if this was even <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so it's good to hear that it actually is factual and um you know, Yeah, we we did do that, yeah. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's that's and that's interesting because that is going back to what you were talking about earlier about um innovation and some of the ideas that, that Matt comes up with and then some of the ideas that you come up with, Adam, and then the sounding board and both of you guys throwing them together and Mashed and Kutcher makes a lot of yeah. sense when you, put it, when you put it together like that um yeah. so what is the most um your, your favorite thing about about touring and and be honest if it's if it's girls you can just tell me i don't mind yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, in in the uh, speaking from past adam uh yes the the female attention is always uh, appreciated mm-hmm. and you know it comes down <laughs> to you know, many million millions of men would uh, would kill to be in this position. So you know, you got to do them proud and, and make the most of it. Nicer. Your uh, civic
2: duty, mate. Yeah, duty. <laughs> you
1: now, no, I think for me, it definitely shows. Uh, I'm a big believer, in ever since watching you know band docos, I know Green Day did uh, a huge one, Bullet in the Bible, when they played at Milton Keynes in Milton Keys in England, which was 120,000 people over two days. So it's ginormous. And, you know, Billy Joe's sitting there with the behind the scenes thing and he's saying, you know, when when you're up there, it doesn't matter, you know, how bad your day has been, your dog's dead, your parents are divorced, like you're up there and nothing else matters. And, you know, so on and so forth. And for me, I've always taken that approach with performance and and loving it. So I think with the exception of very terrible shows, which we've had and everybody has. Most of the time with touring. my highlight of each sort of, I guess you look at it from each 24 hour window uh, would be the shows, but you know, there's a lot of perks that we're really lucky. Like we we've stayed in some pubs where we've stayed in the upstairs accommodation where there's been communal showers, but we've also stayed in six star hotels in India. And you know, there's, it's, it's pretty crazy how, uh, how a lot of those, the other other half, the super wealthy live uh but yeah shows and and fun perks like like the hotel rooms and you know you get you you get driven around and hopefully like spacious cars particularly for our equipment and yeah i think a lot of those things touring touring is so hard and i mean we haven't even done it to the extent uh, as many of our Associates, you know, like if we look at Will Sparks and his his touring schedule in Europe, like we haven't even come close to that many consecutive shows over that period of time. But you know, it's yeah, it's grueling, but there are so many wonderful little perks, and and obviously the the ability to play a show, you know, perhaps every day for for a while is is really special. For me, that's
2: that's what touring is about.
0: Absolutely. And what about you?
2: um probably a couple of things um one of which has become a lot more apparent um since all this lockdown business has been happening which is um i guess the process of manifesting things and then actually seeing them happen like um you know i was thinking the other day about you know what we want to do next and what our next six months 12 months looks like and what some really cool things could be that we could do and imagining us doing them and then I thought back to, you know, before we did anything, you know, um, thinking of things like that. And then, you know, when, when we're both sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking about, oh, wouldn't that be amazing to play a, a big stadium show one day? And then, you know, actually seeing it through and standing there and playing to 30,000 people. Um, so I think that's a really cool thing. Um, yeah, just to, to go through that journey and, you know, think of wild things and then, you know, see them out that's really cool um and i guess um another kind of extension of that which i really enjoy is it's a lot of fun but there's also some scary parts to it which is that there's no rules i mean we essentially work for ourselves and we work with other people and it's definitely a team effort and there's agents and logistics people and record label people all behind the scenes who work really hard to allow us to function um but for the two of us, you know, it's um, kind of falls on our head that yeah, there are no rules. So, on one sense, that's awesome because you know, it's you know, we don't sort of work within any guidelines. You know, we can literally sit there and go, "What if we played this show and did this, and we pulled off this insane thing and did whatever?" And like, really, there's no one who can say no. Like, it's it's on to us to do that. But then, I guess the the scary side of that is, well, you know there is nobody else to to make that happen. So if we want something to happen, we've we've got to do it ourselves. So um, yeah, I think working, having no rules is fun, you know, Um, not having to, not having to be sat behind a desk and work specific hours and being able to do what we want on our own schedule. Um, So yeah, that's kind of a
0: fun part of it. Well, that's, it is cool because, you know, even up until recently, um, and I'm almost ashamed to admit it to you guys, I, I used to think, oh, d- DJing is, is an easy thing. Anyone can do it. But that's just not the case at all. It is so complex, and especially what you're talking about now, writing a good song. So much effort goes into making and composing a good song from the ground up. And it takes yeah. so much longer, and it's so much more effort than people most, most people even begin to even fathom. But when you look into it, you're like, holy shit, you know, it almost takes more skill to do what you do than, you know, I don't know, like a Andre Rieu or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surely the
2: reward's the reward's tenfold because, I mean, if you're, if you're up there playing other people's music, I mean, I'm sure that's fun to a degree, but I couldn't imagine much more satisfaction for a young guy or girl than being up there as a DJ but playing a song that you wrote. Like, that, surely that's going to top that, you know?
0: Absolutely. No, without a doubt. And uh, get on the beers is a perfect example of that. Huge! Uh, Did I just get a whiff of? get a whiff of a segue there? Is that what that was? Oh, it could be. It could be a bit of a whiff of a segue. Uh, I was going to. I was going to wrap it up with that one, but I can't wait to play it at the end of this uh, podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun to drop it. You no, know, uh, well,
2: So I actually got a video sent to me uh, yesterday from uh, one of our friends who uh, she's uh, she looks after a venue up in Darwin, and they actually had their first week of weekend of trading just gone. And she sent me a video of a packed nightclub dancing to get on the beers. Very rewarding. (laughs) That's awesome, man. That's so sick. Yeah, it's
0: very cool to see. Um, And for for those of people watching or listening right now that don't know what we're talking about, um, Matt and Adam hit me up. uh, They made a viral track recently called Get On The Beers. Um, Hilarious track. Absolute banger. Um, And obviously they composed it. But for copyright reasons, they had to... Uh, had to lend my my voice uh, to make sure they could use it on all the streaming sites and stuff. Do a bit of Donald Trump, and um, yeah, it's it's obviously gone absolutely bonkers um, at that, that song. So make sure you listen to that because it's an absolute banger. It's
2: the song that it's the song that people needed for that time, you know. And to your credit, I'm pretty sure you mentioned so Victorian Premier Dan Andrews. It was not an impression that you you'd done before, hey? Well, no, nah, I've never done it before, but I guess it's it's,
0: it's kind of close. I got it pretty close. Um I'm obviously no one's no one's complained, so <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Trump Trump's one that I've been doing for a long time. So Trump was was mm-hmm. in the wheelhouse already, but yeah, Dan Andrews. Um but uh, yeah, obviously it's it's almost a spin out for me because um thanks a lot for the opportunity because it's kinda cool when you go on to Spotify and you know, see Mashton and Kutcher and then Elliot Loney. <laughs>
2: Kinda of cool. Oh, look. I mean, people are people are getting around it. It's, uh, it's you know, had a good odd hundred thousand streams in the first couple of weeks of kicking off, so that's good. Um, what's interesting, we've got a, we've got an app on our phones called um Spotify for Artists, and it lets you see the back end of the streaming. Um, and there's a new function on it where it actually shows you live how many people are listening to the song at that time. So. Yeah. It's funny, on, the, on a Saturday night and I was actually um, at, a, at a house party with a couple of mates and I had a look at it and there was a few hundred people at that present moment on that Saturday night just listening to that song. I thought that was funny.
0: <laughs> and it is cool too because like a few of my friends, um, you know, have even said, oh man, it's an, actually an absolute banger. Like they listen to it just and stuff like that. <laughs> because they initially listened to it because they were like, oh, Loney's obviously taking the piss here. He's like, you know, but then yeah. they listen to the song and they're like, this is actually a fucking tune. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> good work with, with um, composing that that anthem. So yeah, nice. Um, last question as well, before we move on to where you guys see yourself moving forwards. Um, I've done a lot of horror, horror gigs um, at clubs and bars as a, as a uh, comedian uh, where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mic and the pa system cut off in the gig and you know sometimes um you know the intro music doesn't play so the performers backstage don't know when to come out and all these sort of unforeseen mm. events take place have you ever been on stage at a festival or, or a gig where the stakes are high and then something horrendous like that happens and if so can you obviously allow how, long was, how long how long how long we got in this box we've got some time <laughs> <here>. <laughs> Well, what's, no, what's the worst, like the, the, the thing that was most out of your control that sticks out for both of you? I when you think, um,
1: control. Matt for S2O, which was a huge uh, opportunity, it was a huge festival in Thailand. And the first well, it was probably 10 15 minutes, Matt was like going back and forth with the tech guy trying to fix. Uh, I don't even know what you're trying to fix, I was just doing, <laughs> doing my thing, but Matt was having technical difficulties for the first. 10, 15 minutes of the set. And yeah, was that was like, definitely hairy.
2: That, I'm, I'm super, super, super grateful that one of the things um, that I am very thankful for before meeting Adam, for any of this, is I had a couple of mates who were into um, DJ hire, and so PA systems, sound lighting. I also worked for a company called DJ Warehouse for a couple of years doing PA hire and stuff, so I'm very, very, very fucking thankful that I have a good understanding of mm-hmm. cable's, Hardware side of things because when something goes wrong, I'm usually across how to fix it. And when you're standing in front of thirty thousand people at a show, and your set started and something is and something's not working, and you've got no time really to figure out how to perform surgery on the back of it, it's um yeah, I was shit myself. But we got we got there.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean,
2: I think uh, at a
1: different festival we've actually seen DJ Snake who. I think you could say that, you know, the priority that his set goes ahead is, you know, probably a higher priority than ours considering his DJ's name. Uh, yeah. And we, I remember, I think, Maddie, we were watching from just like a Heineken stage nearby and it cut out and you're mm. just there and everyone's there. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very tricky thing. And I feel for, for all the tech and stage crews all over the world because their job is really hard and everything falls down to them. When you know when people are looking for someone to blame, those are the people that get blamed. And you know sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes it's just technology. Like mm. things just fuck up. And it happens. But yeah, well, man, yeah, it can be scary in the heat at the moment. That's for sure.
2: I've still got to throw in one ads That like for me, the one that will always take the cake is we played a show up in Airlie Beach in North Queensland, and one of my uh, one of my sillier ideas was. Um, wouldn't it be cool if during our show I had a a bit of a rock star moment and then one of the, I play this, uh, I've got one of these keytars, like the old eighties keytar. And I, I said to Azzy, wouldn't it be cool, wouldn't it be cool if I had a rock star moment where I do a little solo and then I smash the keyboard on the stage and it goes flying everywhere. And, um, I think he reluctantly said yes. And we end up pressing ahead with it. And, um, So in the middle of our show, full crowd, places packed. I've smashed this keyboard down on the stage and I've hit the three phase power cable and blacked out the entire venue. Um, And I've I've hit this thing and there's been a a spark flown off from my feet and everything's just gone black. And (laughs) Adam uh, basically sat there for a a very long period of time and did an extended drum solo um, to keep things going
0: so how long were you out for
1: it was, was i think it was almost five minutes it was it was yeah it was but see, scary.
0: that's why i think with you guys you, you're almost um i wouldn't say fortunate but i guess you are now because you have put in the hard work and you you can play musical instruments because in situations like that if you didn't know how to play a musical <laughs> instrument it'd just be
1: if you're just two blokes there, of the usb stick it's like exactly and the awkward thing was although nobody was going to say it in the moment, it was entirely Matt's fault. So it's a bit tricky when, you know, I'm saying people look to blame the tech guys. I was like, if mm. anyone's blaming the tech guys, they're, they're pointing in the wrong direction because he did it.
0: That's <laughs> just so crazy.
2: I forgot about that. Nice, Matt. That's a good... good we've, had, we've definitely had some weird shit go down. So
0: well, yeah, It is crazy too because hearing you guys talk about that, like when you guys play the stakes are so high because you're playing at festivals and big, big venues where there's sometimes, as you said, 30,000 people, 50,000 people in these huge sort of stages in these massive places. So the stakes are so Well we, we, we,
2: we definitely make mistakes. And like, I, I understand obviously DJing, you know, you're playing songs that are already made. It's far less live than what a fully fledged band is. But <clears throat> let me tell you that mixing from one song to another, It's not always straightforward, there's many times I'll butcher up a mix that's completely out of time Um, and we could be in front of 500 people or 5,000 and um, there's many occasions where I've absolutely botched a mix and it sounded terrible and um, I'll usually know because we have a a specific line of communication for that where Adam will turn to me and he'll say don't ever do that again and then (laughs) he's he's made it very clear that I've really fucked it up. but uh, yeah, that's the thing too, is like when we're up there for an hour, like we have a lot of banter and communication between us up there on stage that the crowd probably has no clue about, which yeah. for us is hilarious. You know, if, yeah. if we've been out to a, a, a steak dinner before, um, before the gig and one of us is burping or farting or something up there and the other <laughs> one's going to deal with it, like there's a lot of stuff that goes on up there that the crowd doesn't get to see. So
0: oh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. That is interesting. Um, but let's, let's move on now because um, I know you guys are busy men and you've got uh, things to do with your day. Um, <laughs> um, what, are, what are obviously some of your goals and aspirations moving forward um, in the future? Because you've done a lot so far. So where's, where's, where's your North Star now? I mean, a gig would be nice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs>
1: Uh, I think we're using we're using this time to to reevaluate and to perhaps uh, you know look in a little bit more detail about how we would like to shape our future and the music that we'd like to be making and how we're going to be how we represent that music and and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think in the future we would like to have uh, many more records, a lot of which are gold or platinum. That would be nice. Okay. And yeah, I think slowly as the music develops develop the show with it and potentially uh use less of the decks if eventually one day perhaps you know do do the Peking duck do the chain smokers and have no decks um, yeah so obviously I think it's it's a little bit tricky to to plan anything concrete at the moment considering we don't know when we're going to be playing again let alone you know playing anywhere overseas like if we had a gig in America next month I think I'd be saying no to it you know like it's uh, yeah, it's a tricky tricky time at the moment, particularly for shows. But you know, we are, we are looking to yeah de- develop our music and and I think it's you know if we just use twenty twenty as essentially we've had a, a year off, very roughly speaking.
2: Definitely. You know, we we are a
1: year <laughs> older and uh, yeah. with with the people that traditionally we play to, you know, it's that it's that eighteen to twenty five year old bracket and every year that bracket stays the same but we get further away from it so you know yeah we're we're thinking about not just how do we want our lives and our career to to be and how do we want them to be playing together as we as we move forward and yeah the standard response of, of shows and music is is a part of that but yeah i think i think there's a little bit more to it and i don't think we're alone i think most artists that intend on continuing once this is all done, have spent this time to to plan and self-reflect and and yeah, have some time off that if it wasn't for what's happened this year, I don't think Matt and I would have ever had this time off. You know, we, in the past, if, if someone has to take a weekend off, it means that we have to pay someone to fill in or that we just don't get the show. And as a result, we've never really had time off. Uh, at least weekends and so mm. this has allowed us to to do that and with that yeah a bit, a, be a bit more thoughtful and
0: yeah mm-hmm. and you share that sentiment matt
2: yep i couldn't add a thing to that that was very well said
0: um probably one of the last questions because i know there's so many massive festivals all over the world huge ones with um like tomorrowland and stuff like that is there a festival that you haven't played at yet that you're really looking forward to? Obviously, once COVID and everything blows over, is there a place that you really want to go and play at?
1: I think we, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, we share the the vision of more live-orientated uh, stages. Yeah. Um, not necessarily the festival, yeah. because many more festivals now are doing both. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, for us, I think, you know, sort of that Coachella, Glastonbury you know, sort of vibe in regards to a live band and a live performance, like that would be really, that'd be nice.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because they're both kind of different worlds and I think we're very fortunate we can ride the line and do both. So, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it would be stoked to play, you know, Ultra Miami, it would be stoked to play Tomorrowland. Um, but yeah, I guess your your Glastonbury's and your Coachella's is, is um, you know, the where we would like to be and um, yeah even just starting with, with smaller, more intimate shows where we're, we're playing to, you know, um, a more, more niche group of, of fans as we start to write new music and, and do new things. you could just see that grow, be fun.
0: Good to hear, boys. And obviously um, I won't take up too much more of your time and you, I really appreciate you you're coming onto my, my potty and uh, you're both very talented lads, um, very musically inclined and. Um, you know, I've, I've been very thankful that you've given me a chop you, the uh, opportunity to collab with you and get on the beers. And um, I guess the last thing I'm going to ask you is, uh, when's our next track, mate? I think the fans are waiting. When are you yeah.
1: gonna- well, we'll get, you, uh, we'll get you on the decks and we'll get you, uh, <laughs> give you the, the two-week power course.
0: That's suicide. And then, um,
1: yeah, and then we'll we'll just chuck together some, uh, some little ditty and get you on the vocals and happy days. Then you can spin it. No, that would be that'd be unbelievable. I think, I think what the world needs. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, well, well, thanks very much, boys, and good luck for everything moving forward. And I'm sure, I hope very soon that you guys can get back out there and start doing what you do best. And um, I, I have no doubt that you're uh, you're only at the very start. I think there's going to be big success on the horizon for both of you. So, best of luck and uh, get on the funny having us. Thanks having us. It's
1: good thanks to. We've obviously done lots of, you know, interviews over the last six years. Some range from fifteen seconds to, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. And yeah, it's nice to have good conversations with uh, good intellectual people such as yourself so,
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> thanks, mate. my foundation thing. maths teacher said, shared the same sentiment. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, good on you, lads. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon, no doubt. Rocking. Thanks, brother. There, boys. Thanks very much for watching, guys. We've got some huge guests lined up, some really big tennis stars, some great AFL superstars as well. Uh, it's going to be a cracking few weeks coming up for the podcast. Make sure you listen on Spotify and iTunes. Subscribe to my channel for more gags and more podcasts coming your way. I uh, hope you have a cracking day and a cracking evening wherever you are. And uh, all the very best. See you very soon. Cheers. That's your That's what's my And that's what must be done. Get on the beers. beers, 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 beers. Get on the beers, beers. cold beers, 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 cold beers, beers, beers. Get on the, get on the, get on the beers.